Hello everyone and welcome to Fascinating Nouns, your stopping point for interesting people, places, things, and ideas. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn. And tonight we have a first of our obfuscated guests. Uh, we have Rhett Allen with us today. Hello, how are you? From an undisclosed location. That's also true, isn't it? That is true. Um, so Rhett, your talent is maximizing your buying power. I guess that would be a... Um, a very politically correct way to say it. Uh, now, this isn't your grandmother's coupon box that we're talking about here. Uh, you, you you use techniques that don't just stretch a buck, but they leave stretch marks. Isn't that right? Well, it depends on who I'm looking to stretch. Um, I wouldn't necessarily he stretch my dollar to maximum capacity, so really the only one that leaves the stretch marks on is myself. And little cocoa butter usually clears that right off. <laughs> and the... Uh, and the buttholes of the people that you're stretching, I assume. Well, that's just collateral damage is what I chalk that one up to. So how did this whole thing get started? Why do you, what's your, because you're very, you're amazing at this. So what, what started this whole thing? Well, to tell you the truth, when I was young, uh, my family and I went apple picking in the hills of Virginia, and we'd stopped at a general store on our way home, and they had a wooden barrel filled with the Whopper malt candies, little trial-sized bags, and on back... Whoppers? Yeah, Whoppers. Whoppers. I'm not sure if it's trademarked, so I didn't it's, really... No one's going to come after me. Okay. Well, that's Whopper malt candy, Whoppers. Um, little trial-sized bags. Mm. Um, and in the back of each bag, they had a 10-cent off coupon off your next purchase of Whoppers. Mm-hmm. Is this a real bag, story? Is this a real story? This is a real story. Okay. Each bag was 10 cents. And on the back of each bag, they had a coupon for 10 cents off your next purchase of any size Whoppers. Um, so I went and I put my dime and the woman rang me up and asked for a bag. You gave me a bag and I went and tore open and dumped the trial size bag into the other bag she'd given me and then went back to the barrel and grabbed another bag and walked up and she rang it up for 10 cents and I gave her the 10 cent off coupon and I proceeded to empty the entire barrel for 10 cents. <laughs> this is true. This is honest to God true. So that's what started the whole thing. That's what started the whole thing. Just figuring out how to kind of beat the system. Well, you know what's kind of interesting about that whole thing is that there seems to be, uh, of all the things that I've kind of gone over, there seems to be a mathematical formula that kind of works. Well... I mean, is that what you do? You kind of work out a formula? How do you find loopholes? It's it's not really a... Well, I mean, it's, a, it's only a loophole that has been created just fairly recently with the advent of basically poor customer service. Um, customer service is no longer set up to be a personal, um, a, a personal thing between you know, a consumer and the store. It's uh, customer service is set up to be as frustrating as possible to the consumer. Um, the only thing I do is take advantage of it in a different way. Um, by the time you get any kind of product that you have any pro- problems with. By the time you reach a human, it's a good 20 or 30 minutes into putting in your account number, pressing 1 to 9 to 3 to, you know, transferring you, transferring you, transferring you. 
finally you get to a person it's always amazing that they they say at the beginning for faster service please enter your account number and finally after 20 minutes you get a person on the phone the first thing they ask you for is your account number right so do you know why they do that I don't so I I had been having a lot of trouble with a certain company and I've been calling and I would enter in my number but because I would call from where I work that phone number would come up in their system and they would ask you know if this is the right number so I would first say no and enter in my phone number so it access my account thinking that when the person pulled it up they would have access to my account which of course as you just said they don't so I started using the one at work that's just to see what category you fall into so when I did it at work it was a business they had a large account there they sent me to an entirely different division that was wasn't a VIP which is what I was hoping for but it was just a bigger division how to get transferred around so it's just for general filtering of people well, by the time you get to a person, they're ready for you to be aggressive, and they're ready for you to be obnoxious and angry and frustrated, and that's the way the whole system is set up. What I like to do is completely flip that and make sure that the person on the other end who isn't making the big corporate dollars, or obviously they're making probably a little over minimum wage, is to first humanize it. Get their name, not only because once you get their name, it's highly unlikely they'll hang up on you. And not only a name, but a badge number or an employee number, because most companies don't give out or want their employees to give out their last name. So once you get a first name and a badge or an employee number, the, the rate of drop calls goes down in, incredibly. Um, just drop because, calls meaning that that they would hang up on you out of right. accidents uh, or whatever. Well, they like to call them accidents. Sometimes yeah. they just like to hang up on people. Right. I mean, let's face it. Um, but if you have a name and uh, an ID number, they know you. They can be tracked down. Yeah. Um, and I always like to tell them that. I just want to like let your bosses know how well you're doing, so that's the reason why I want your name and your ID. You've got to personalize it. You make people, you know, you emphasize with you emphasize with people as people that they're there trying to just make a few dollars. You're just trying to get your problem fixed. And if you really talk to people like they're people, it's amazing what little loopholes, what little tricks, what little keystrokes they can do to make your problems go away. Um, and also, they're usually so taken aback by you're, you're not being upset and you're not being angry at them. Um, because once you personalize it and say, look, I know you're just a representative of the company, but this is my problem. Can you help me, so and so? Once you personalize it and make sure that they understand that you understand that they're a person and everybody's just trying to make their chips and go home to their family, it really humanizes the whole element, and they really do want to help you, and they end up helping you much more than you probably thought you would get helped. So, do you keep using their name? I try, and use, I try and use, I try and use, to personalize it, people like hearing their own name, I try and use, yeah, 
whoever I'm talking to, their name, they, uh, if they put you on hold, they'll be like, well, thank you, Jennifer, oh, yeah, no problem, uh, you know, put me on hold, it's, you know, yeah. or, hey, Jennifer, this isn't really working out, um, no offense to you, but can I speak to your supervisor, and I'll let them know what a great job you've been doing. Yeah. Um, Even if they've been doing a cl- crappy job. Yeah, um, because once again, it's like the old expression, you get more honey with flies, or you get more flies with You honey. get a lot of honey. If you lay down flies on the floor, yes. if you made so much honey, we'll show um, But when I get a supervisor on the phone, the first thing I usually do, whether the rep before them was great or horrible, is I sing their praises. Because once you get to a supervisor and you're saying nice things about the person you spoke to previously, that gives them the impression that if they have, if you have to go above them, their boss will get feedback on how well they did. So it's all personal. Dale Carnegie stuff. This is some how to win friends and influence people kind of stuff. Well, it's just personalizing it. It's just personalizing customer service, which is a dying art. Um, there really is very little customer service, and it's always. The customer is always wrong, and it never used to be that way. It used to be the customer is always right, especially when you took time out to either call them or write them. Um, nowadays, the whole system is set up to just frustrate the average consumer, to make you hang up, or to make you be belligerent to the person at the other end of the phone. So, um, <clears throat> when you do, when you when you make a phone call, I remember one of the things you told me was that you always tell a story, make it interesting, make it make it real. Well, like, you try and find out as much about them as possible. Not only get their name, um, a lot of times I'll ask where I'm calling, because there's call centers all over the country. Um, once you do that, if you're aware of like little towns in the state or... If you're familiar with that state whatsoever, you just try and basically, the more you personalize it and the more you make them understand that you're not upset with them, you're upset at either the good or the service, they treat you better and they make your problems go away a whole lot faster, at least from my experience. Because they want to help you. Yeah, because... 99% 99% of their phone calls are people that are frustrated after waiting 20 minutes to get to them and the people kind of kill the messenger and they're just literally you don't want to kill the messenger because they're just there as a cog in the machine um, so this is so this is advice to do if you want to improve your like when you call a place is to improve your customer service correct I mean yeah you really want to personalize it as best as possible and make sure that they understand that the root of your problem has really, they didn't create it, Um, they're just the sounding board. And for someone to get agitated at a complete stranger who's just trying to make a dollar is rather silly. Well, so how how do you, um, what, what what are the secrets to getting more than you deserve, let's say. Well, it really is kind of personalizing things um, and never taking no for an answer. Um, that's one of the key things. 
um, you should always strive for being satisfied. Um, having done customer service myself, that was how I was trained, is that you always want to satisfy the customer. Um, because the supervisor really doesn't want to hear about it. And by the time, if you have to, you can take it up a notch to a supervisor, they're obviously making a good salary, they've been there for quite some time, and all of a sudden you're taking their time, which is far more valuable than the person who first answered the phone. So it behooves everybody not to make the problem go away as quickly as possible. So who, uh, what did you work for customer service? I did all sorts of customer service. Um, uh, telemarketing. Um, and you get, what, what did you do? Did anyone ever try these techniques on you? Were you like, hey man, I know this don't bullshit a bullshitter kind of deal? Well, no. I mean, it really wasn't that. It's just like I've done kind of every crappy job that there is. And it's amazing, like even a little sandwich shop that I, would get, I stop at when I go to work. Um, when someone behind the counter says, how are you doing today? And you say, I'm good, how about you? They're not used to hearing people say, they're used to hearing people say I'm good because that's an automatic response or I'm fine. But they're not used to having someone ask them how their day is going. And from my experience, once you personalize it and once you become kind of like give that local hometown feeling to these people, your sandwiches go from about a quarter of an inch high with me to about a good, you know, three or four inches because they take the extra time to slice a little bit more off because y'all live in Mayberry together. Um, you think that's true? I've been, I've been nice to, I, I'm nice to a lot of sandwich people and my sandwich, actually I was nice to this woman, I ordered a pastrami sandwich and I think she gave me less than what was what their allotted amount is. Well, there's a thing that there's a repetition. There's a thing in repetition. And there's a thing about, you know, never taking no for an answer. So maybe if I was in your position, I would have let that slide maybe the first time. But the second time, I would have said, you know, I got to tell you there, Lily, or whatever her name is behind the counter. Mm Last time I really wasn't satisfied with the amount of meat I got on my sandwich. Um, I'm sure Lily will give you, whether she wants to or not, a little bit more meat. And if she doesn't, she knows that you're going to let her know about it or let her you know, boss know about it. So just be a pest and be annoying about it. It's not really a pest. It's just... If you've done... Well, her, her reason to do it is that she doesn't want to hear about it. So it's like being, it's like using well, annoyance to your factor. Day. Right. Everybody has a bad day. Now you can let that go once and let, you know, you never know where you catch people and maybe having a bad day that one day. But two days in a row, they're not going to make me have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I give as good as I get. So will I go to a manager and say, excuse me? I really don't feel like I'm getting my money's worth on the sandwich. Yeah. Um, because it never hurts to ask. It never hurts to to pay be, you know, the customer. 
and kind of like be your best advocate. Um, it's your money that you're spending, and most people really don't fight for the the hard earned money that, that they make. I mean, most people just kind of it's kind of like instead of being Oliver and asking for more, please, they just take their bowl of gruel and never get any more. No more gruel. Well, you know, one of the things, the, the problem that I run into is that I really have to weigh the, I can be dissuaded with a hassle. So if the hassle is worth more, if the hassle is harder than what I'm getting, so like a sandwich shop, going to a manager and dealing with one of them, and then being annoyed when I don't get the sandwich that I want, that will affect me long term more than a little bit of meat on a sandwich. Unless my tipping point is if there's some huge principle involved where it's there, I don't know what a sandwich equivalent would be, but unless I take it, you know, to the next level, then I then I don't let anything go. Then no hassle is too big. Well, there's the whole thing with, I mean, the key word in your sentence is annoyed. Um, even if you are annoyed, you've got to kill them with kindness, which is something that uh, from every, you know, minimum wage job I've ever done, they always tell you to kill them with kindness. And there's nothing that gets people more angry than when you're saying there are people going irate and you're behind the counter and you're like, well, I'm very sorry, this is our policy. And then they can go to your supervisor and the only thing they can say is that that employee said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Once you engage them with anger, then you've kind of lost it. Yeah, That's one of the I mean, once once you pull an attitude, or once you kind of like, you know, become make yourself into an ass, no one really wants to help you. Yeah. Um, if you're nice to people, yeah. people will be nice to you. At least that that's in my experience what I found. So it's just really you know looking out for your money as a consumer. I mean, you, you work hard for it, and you should get what you pay for. Well, let's let's take this. To, let's get, let's get interesting here, because you've done a lot of things that are that help you maximize the amount of money that you make. Um, and this is, I mean, these are you know, I wouldn't say that you walk the line of legality, but there are things that you've done that are great ways to kind of get the most out of a company that may not be giving the most to its to its consumers? Well, that's one because I go through the loophole of the same thing that's set up for them, for, for the average consumer to get frustrated and hang up after 15 and 20 minutes, is the same loophole that I use to my advantage. Um, since there's so many different heads of the machine, uh, you know, so many different heads on the monster or the machine that you can really play one side against the other because no one really knows what's going on by the time you get to a human element. Mm -hmm. um, and then it becomes easy. Well, like, let's, talk, let's take this. So you're, you're the Whopper thing. So that was, that was basically a mathematical formula. You know, you would just get the entire barrel for free. They had goofed completely because they didn't put like a limit. to. They should have put like a limit one per... I mean, well, you shouldn't be able to empty the barrel. Said, they should have said excluding trial size off. Sure. No, I'm not, and I'm not saying that they, they, that's where they made the goof and that you were able to capitalize on that. And those are the kind of fun little loopholes that I really like that I never think about. Um, but you have, um, like the CVS thing you told me about. You've got a whole thing going on with CVS. Well, with CVS, 
Let's explain it for a little bit. So you have they have some kind of CVS dollar. So for every amount of everything you buy from them, you get a credit that you can then use again at CVS, correct? Well, they have a thing called Extra Bucks, which is another kind of corporate system that they have mathematically figured out how to maximize the incentive for you to buy a particular product or thing by saying if you get X amount of shampoo, we'll give you $3 in extra bucks, which is like Disney dollars. Mm -hmm. It's not real money. You can't spend it anywhere but in their establishment where they already make a profit off of whatever they're selling anyway. And they also know a great, a huge percentage, just like gift cards or gift certificates, is a huge percentage that never get used. So that's the reason why they put these things out there. That's the reason why they do the extra bucks program. That's the reason why they encourage gift cards. Um, every state, virtually except for California, has expiration dates on gift cards. California has no expiration date on gift cards. Because once you um, give them, a, once you get buy a gift card, you've given the company your money, correct. and they're not going to give you your American dollars back. Which we could also Never. argue is also very similar. You can't use American dollars anywhere else. They don't really have value. Well, you can always go to a bank and sure and, outside and, of the country, not necessarily. Some places may not take dollars. Some places, I mean, we live in a world where they do, but. Everything has, well, my point is, is that the extra dollars, just like any currency, is the faith of the people using them. So you trust that having them, CVS will give you something for them. Well, CVS counts on basically you looking at the bottom line. Um, in the ads, it's always buy X shampoo, buy four of them, it's like getting it for free. Or 99 cents yeah. and you have to buy a certain number in order to get their extra bucks which they know like I said is a huge percentage huge percentage of people that never take the time to go and use those extra bucks and they expire mm -hmm. and whatever you use those extra bucks on they know it's another trip to the store and most likely, you're not going to just go in there and spend extra bucks. You're going to spend not only extra bucks, but real American greenbacks, too. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is set up mathematically against the, the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, what I So how do you use this? Well, I go in and I'll buy X amount of shampoos and get my extra bucks. And just because you bought X amount of shampoos doesn't mean you can't return them the next day. Another one you, that. you still retain your extra bucks. So that's the so that's the trick is they don't they don't take returns away from your from their incentive program. Well when the, the receipt prints up the extra bucks are on the bottom of the receipt done on purpose so either it gets discarded or not thought about. It, you know, it's not up at the top of the receipt. They really, they're really counting on, and I know the math, they're, they're really counting on a huge percentage of people never using them, or if they use them, it's another trip to the store, like I said, and you're not just going to use their extra bucks, you're going to also use some of your own money, because most likely whatever you're in there to buy is going to cost more than the extra bucks. Now, the extra bucks, 
already it's just basically like you're getting their um, their percentage of their profit taken away. It, you're really not really saving anything when it's three dollars and you have to pay six dollars. Mm. It's a pr pretty much a fifty percent markup in most retail anyway. Right. Um, so uh, so then you so you kind of count on the fact that they've they've let these loopholes exist because. They're, meant they're to mathemat take, right, mathematically, they're going to make the money anyway. Right, and they're set up to take advantage of the customer. Right. Um, so when you go in there and you're returning stuff, does anyone catch you, you know, they see you, I mean, obviously it's not against their policy, because, I mean, you can return whatever you want. Yeah, no questions asked, return balls. So does anyone ever question you? Do people give you dirty looks? Once you again, they have a no questions asked return balls. So they, but, I mean, people in there, they don't. That doesn't. I'm just asking if anyone it doesn't mind. People can look at me any way they want, but they can't really question me because there's no they questions asked. No question. So if they ask a question, do you then turn that into uh, into something? Like if they say, "Hey, why are you returning this?" I'd like to see a manager. You've asked me a question. No, I'm returning this because I didn't want. It. And it it's, and it works. They have a no hey, uh, question. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, like look, look, I've, I've done this stuff before, and people ask me questions, so I'm just curious when you when when it's I wasn't repeated, satisfied with it. My wife doesn't. I'm like, not asking you. The, I'm not the guy behind the counter, so I'm well, just I'm saying, saying like, that, when you go in there, do you have that I have clue that doesn't bother you? I guess it doesn't bother me at all. Because like, if they do ask me a question, I just basically say I wasn't satisfied. My wife bought this by mistake, or. I'll give them a one or two sentence, you know, even though... I think a lot of things they, they do, they're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, so what about, uh, let's talk about some of the, uh, the other fun things. Um, so you have, uh, the Omaha Steaks is my favorite, one of my favorite things you've got going on. Is that still, is this still working, or how does it... Uh, well, like, Omaha Steaks and everything, um, probably, things like that, overstock.com... Um, there are things set in place that, once again, it's really to entice the customer. Um, and once again, there's just so many different parts of the corporation that it takes them a while to kind of put two and two together to get four. Um, and for me, I'm nameless and, well, fairly nameless and definitely faceless, so it doesn't bother me at all. Um, one of my favorite stories is um, I had a friend of mine, his wife bought a dishwasher um, right around the holidays at uh, Best Buy. And a Best Buy, what Best Buy does is they have a third party delivering system. So you have to pay a third party to install the dishwasher. And so the third party went and installed the dishwasher um, and they found out it didn't work. Now, that third party charged them $150 to install it. And they called up Best Buy, and Best Buy said, well, we'll replace it, but you need to pay $150 to have our third party come pick it up. So $300 total. And they have now a hole where they used to have a dishwasher. So technically, they would have been out $300. Because Best Buy says, kind of holds up their hand and say, 
it's not our company, it's the third party delivering system. Even though their item was what was defective. Correct. They'll take back the item, but you have to either get yourself your own truck or go through that same third party delivering system and pay them again $150. So you're out $300 and you have a hole and not only in your wallet, but where you used to want a dishwasher. But they're going to give you a new dishwasher. So they're going to fill that no, hole with a dishwasher. No, all they're doing is returning your money. The purchase price. Also, she didn't get a new dishwasher. Well, she did. But you're saying that if you didn't want one, you would have a hole now. Well, right. If you felt like so... Uh, yeah, and they really did put them through the, you know, the ringer to finally you know, get you know, somebody... And they were like, well, look, the best we're going to do is, you know, we'll give you a discount off of the next dishwasher you buy from us, like a 10 or 15% discount, which is nothing, considering the markup on their products. And here you are, a dissatisfied customer, because you're already out $300. Mm. And the day off that you took for the window, their four-hour window of opportunity for them to have this dishwasher installed... And you're frustrated, and you don't want to go back to the same company that has frustrated you all of a sudden, but they're forcing you. They're forcing you to go back to them to be a customer again, just at a slight discount. Um, and they set up the system so it is frustrating. Um, what I ended up doing for them is basically going up to the chain of command and went all the way up through a supervisor and basically they agreed that they would take care of the delivery charges and that was all they were willing to do. Now this is at the top of the, the top person at Best Buy and I remember her saying, well, Mr. So-and-so, this is the best we're going to do. Um, We'll, we'll cover the delivery charges that this wants as a courtesy to you, but this is all we're going to do for you. So in other words, you won't be out $300, but once again, you've wasted three days, a day to go get it, a day to, for them to drop it off, and a day for them to pick it up, and you need a fourth day to go someplace else to go buy a working dishwasher. So... I found out that at, when this went on, that Best Buy was a public company, which means on the Security and Exchange Commission site website, they list all all the VPs, the CEOs, everybody who is in charge of that company since they're a public site, uh, a public company, right. a traded public, and the man who owned all of Best Buy at the time was Richard M. Schultz. And Best Buy is out of Minnesota. I went and did a reverse listing on Google through the white pages and was able to track down Richard M. Schultz's phone number hmm. and gave Richard M. Schultz on New Year's Eve a call. And got to his, house his phone. to his house phone, and spoke to his daughter, who was very much more concerned about how I got the phone number than 
necessarily my friend's dishwasher. Right. <laughs> um, needless to say, I was very courteous, and I was pretending like I was this this my friend, and I explained to him that his wife has, or my wife, has special needs. Now, her special need just happened to be, she liked clean dishes. Yeah. So, to say, kind of like to use a euphemism like special needs, certainly implies like it's either a mental illness or some kind of physical with special needs really is just clean dishes in my opinion and if you're gonna make me jump through hoops I'm gonna put the best spin on it I possibly can and if I have sure. to say excuse me Mrs. Schultz I hate to bother you but you know my wife really has special needs and we've gone through this and this is what's gone on and, and the last person I got to at consumer the consumer affairs people the woman had said to me, well, Mr. So-and-so, this is the best we're going to do. Is there anything else I can do for you? And I told her to go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, and then I hung up. And I usually don't lose my cool. And that's, that's when you lose. You lose. When you lose your cool, you lose your edge. And it's one of the very few times that I actually did lose my cool and tell her to go fuck yourself. But that's when I tracked down the Schultzes. And Did that part end up in your story? Did you happen to mention the closing discussion, no, closing comments for her? No, I, you know, I was very nice to his daughter, yeah. who you could hear the little children playing around, and she was very concerned about how I'd gotten her phone number, sure. and I explained to her that they're listed on the SEC website, and they're the only Schultz <laughs> in yeah. Minnesota. And so that, that Monday, immediately. <laughs> that Monday, my my friend got a call from the VP right under Mr. Schultz, who called him and said, "So, Mr. So and So, I understand you're having a problem with your dishwasher. They got not only a dishwasher at seventy five percent off, they also got a thousand dollars in gift cards. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. See, t to me, that's totally worth it." Because you've got a you've got a you've got a you got a company who's screwing you at every turn, and you know you're able to work something out that you can um, you know get what you feel like you deserve. This just happens, and I'm showing it. This just happens to be his home phone number. I'm looking at a piece of paper with his home phone number on it right now. So that's that's incredible. So I mean. So you do a little bit of investigative. I mean, this isn't like some. I mean, you're not like somebody who's just running like a like a mafia guy running scams. This is everything is above board and everything is highly researched and you know there's a technique to it. There's right. a finesse to it. The, the only technique is basically you're flipping, you're flipping what they set up to be frustrating to your advantage. You're flipping it to your advantage. You're personalizing it, you're making sure that you're the customer and you get what you want and get what you paid for and you never take no for an answer and everybody always has a supervisor. Unless you're Richard Schultz. But I mean, you were his supervisor. Once I got to Richard Schultz, they were, they were really concerned that I was calling them at home, so much so that 
my friend got the call that Monday right after that New Year's and was taken care of very, very well. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're implying, but... Uh, well, he got a dishwasher at 75% off, delivered for yeah. free, and he got $1,000 in gift cards. No, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't know if you were meaning like, hey, don't call me at home again. I'm assuming you changed his number immediately. I can't believe that number still works. Well, we can try it if you'd like. Nah, we don't have to. Um, so, you, so you completely, uh, you did a nice little swerve there on me. I, I caught it. Um, I asked you about Omaha Steaks, and we started talking about Best Buy. Well, so. Omaha Steaks... They have a guarantee, um, and yes, do I like to use a guarantee sometimes, you know, ad nauseum, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I will. Ad nauseum for who? <laughs> well, I mean, for me, it's just basically like one call. Um, well, this led into the, the infamous freezer burn taste thing that I think is hilarious, but it could be, it's true. Well, so. it's everything is a matter of taste, and if sure. you're going to stand behind your product and say you stand behind your products, yeah. what's to say it didn't have a freezer burn taste? I mean, who, who's going to say I'm wrong? So what um, happened with, so what happened with that? What were you able to... Well, I was just able to basically, before too long um, they kept giving me credits for you know keeping they wanted to keep me happy as a customer until they, they all of a sudden they realized uh, the, all the heads came, kind of came together and realized how many credits that I had acquired mm -hmm. um, yes and they no longer offer me the guarantee. <laughs> that particular guarantee. Are you allowed to buy steaks from them? Yeah. Since you clearly don't want to go into detail about the yeah, situation. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I can still buy things from them. They, they have no problem, but they just say, you know, since we, we see that you've had so many problems, we're not going to stand by our guarantee. Um, well, the point, by the time I was done, though, you know, kind of, calling them out on their guarantee, I really didn't want any more steaks anyway. Right. And you had your it's technically, it's a lot cheaper to go to Costco or Ralph's or any of these other places to actually buy a steak in the first place. I mean, they make a huge percent of their money is on their shipping. And they're... Do they ship it, though? I mean, it's No, they, they ship it through UPS, so but it's shipping and handling. Um, gotcha. So there's a shipping, and obviously just that's like, the dry ice and everything. Well, the dry ice costs them virtually nothing. The, the they have a deal with the UPS, so that mm. you know whenever you ship in bulk, you know you get a huge discount. Right. They don't pass that along to the consumer. Um, so the, a lot of their money is made in the shipping process. Mm. Um, it's like overstock.com. Um, a lot of their money is made in the shipping and handling also. Mm. Even though they, you know, say it's $2.90, like if, if you're not part of their club, which costs $20 per year to join, it's $2.95 shipping. Mm. However, if you Add have... tacked on to what it costs or total? Total. So $3. The, that's their, that's their kind of hook is that Whatever you buy, it's two dollars and ninety-five cents shipping, making it sound incredibly enticing. Because hey, two dollars and ninety-five cents seems like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot at all. However, if you have a problem and you need to send it back, it's not two dollars and ninety-five cents anymore. It's a whole lot more 
because you're you're having to ship it out. Mm. Um, you don't get that discount. You're not bought, you're not sending things out in bulk. Mm. I mean, you know how much a post office or UPS charges. Any kind of standard item is going to like even the smallest DVD is going to cost you upwards of six dollars to ship it back to them, just to get even. Right. Yeah. So you're out six dollars, and you have no product. Right. So it's even if they send you a new one, you still have to. You still out six bucks. Right, and if they send you a new one, one, you're already frustrated. It's more time out of your day. You have to actually get to a person, which we've already discussed that they make it virtually impossible to get to a human being. Yeah. By the time you know the whole automated system is set up to frustrate. The whole automated system is set up that most, the majority of people don't have 20 or 30 minutes of their day take away from their families or their job to get, you know, a $15 book returned or $15 tchotchke, you know. Yeah. The whole system is set up to frustrate the customer and to give poor customer service. And it's set up in such a way that by the time you do get to a real-life person, the average person is pretty fed up. And the average person is going to let who, whatever representative, whatever poor soul is sitting in their cubicle with their headset on, that's the person that gets the brunt of people's frustration and aggravation. Mm-hmm. Well, so what, what, what did you have worked out with Overstock? <clears throat> well, with Overstock... I wasn't satisfied with several of their products, um, and that was kind of the thing that got to me. Um, that I was ba- it was kind of like a bait and hook, is what they used to call it. Um, bait and hook scam goes back to like the fifties or sixties. Like a bait and switch. Uh, similar, but it's, it's similar. But bait and hook, bait and switch. It, it's basically it's illegal now. Um, it used to be that a company would advertise, especially around the holidays, um, back in the day, color TVs, okay. uh, brand new Zenith color TV, uh, $30. Mm. However, they would only have three. Uh. So the first three people in the door got... But all the other hundred other people who came in to go get the Sony TV, all of a sudden they've got them in the store, which is exactly where they want the customer. Mm. Sorry, we're all sold out of the Sony's called Bait and Switch. Because you baited them, and now you're like, well, we don't have the Sony's anymore. But for a little bit, or or Zenith's, for for a little bit more, we have these Sony's over here. Well, that's not really a bait and switch. I mean, a bait and switch would be you entice them into one thing and sell them another. Like well, you tell them it's a color TV and they get it and it's well, one color, which yeah, is black what, and white. What they do is that they advertise a certain particular model at a certain particular price. But they only have three or four of them. Yeah. And they sell out quickly. And the next thing, the next hundred or so people that come in or, or possibly more, they, sorry, were sold out. Well, it's illegal now to do that because basically that was kind of like them throwing it out there to get people into the store. Right. Sorry, we're sold out of it, but for a little bit more, you can get this model over here. And you're already 
taking your time out of your day, you've already, you know, had frustrating parking, you already went, you know, gathered the kids and, you know, got in the store to get your discount on the TV that they knew they were only going to have three of. That yeah. hence the reason why they now have rain checks. Um, oh, this is before rain checks. This is before rain checks. So you've got a whole rain check thing going on, don't you? Yeah. Um, How does that work? Well, rain checks are set up that just for that very reason that if a, if a company advertises a sale item, they should anticipate X number of people coming in and getting mm. that sale item. Okay. Um, if you go into a retail place and they're out of that sale item, you're entitled to that sale price. Um, that's, that's a rain check. Now, certain places, like grocery stores, for example, they have an expiration date. Mm. Uh, CVS, however, has no expiration date on any of their rain checks. CVS is right in your wheelhouse. Well, yeah, um, because they constantly advertise things, and then when you go down there to purchase them, they're out of them. And they know that they're going to be sold out of them. They know there's only a limited amount of shelf space for the ivory soap at 99 cents for the three bars. They know they're going to sell out real quick. Virtually nobody knows that they can ask for a rain check. And the next day, or even a few hours later, you go back in the store and they're still out of the ivory soap. Imagine that. You're entitled to another rain check. And until they stock that shelf... Uh-huh. Throughout that week where the sale is on, you're entitled to as many rain checks as the time you take to go into that store, and they never expire. So the sale continues for me for as long as I kind of need soap. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. I didn't think about that. That's a good. That's a good move. Um, but I, I mean, you've told me a story where you there was a limit five, and there were four there, and they didn't have five, so, you know, you get another rain check for you, at the fifth Well, one. depending on the credit, <clears throat> they'll either write you up a new rain check yeah. for one. Most of the time, the clerk doesn't know any better and will just give you the rain check back. Or, they'll write a new rain check and say, well, how many do you want? Right. How many do you have? Well... For peanut butter, when we knew the price of peanut butter was going to go right. up. Yeah, you invested heavily in peanut butter at that point. Well, I purchased A all peanut butter-like product. I think it was Jif. It was, I, I purchased all that they had on the shelf. And then I went back a few hours later, and guess what? They were out of it. They were out of it. So I'm entitled to a rain check. Yeah. And a few hours later, they were still out of it. That's weird. So I'm entitled to another rain check. And the next day, mm-hmm. they were still out of peanut butter. That's crazy. So I got another rain check. And I plan on eating peanut butter for the rest of my life. So <laughs> considering they're right down the street and it takes me a couple minutes to go in there and see that they're still, their shelf is still not stopped, Unbelievable. I get a rain check. Um, at this point, peanut butter has well gone over, well over 50% of it what has. it has. It has. Yeah, yeah. I have I have rain checks in my drawer right now from the first Bush administration. <laughs> Prescott Bush? 
um, or George, George W. Oh. Um, I I gave one the other day, and the guy's like, "This is a year old." I'm like, "I've got older. <laughs> uh, they never expire. Um, you, they you lock them in to that price at that particular time. Yeah, and it's like a forever stamp. Right. Did you buy a ton? I assume you have a ton of forever stamps here. No, what I like to do with stamps, uh, especially at the workplace, is considering the amount of mail that my particular workplace receives, mm-hmm. a lot of times stamps aren't canceled. Um, well. So I end up ripping the corner of the envelope, and you put the corner of the envelope, which aren't canceled, into a cup of cold water. Within an hour, the stamp will float up off the envelope. You dry it out, you use a glue stick, and you put it on another piece of mail. Why don't you just cut it out and tape it on? That's what I do. Well, technically, picking, you're not allowed to do that. Technically, Is that true? Yeah, technically, the post office, you can't have anything over the stamp. You can't. Um, oh, that I didn't know. Also, um, yeah, this is what I used to do in college. Um, anything, and I'm pretty sure now the post office is so hurting for money, but I know in the 90s when I was in college. Um, 1890 or was this? The, yeah, 1890s, 1890s, right, yes. Um, but anything with any form of currency, the post office would have to deliver to the recipient. So people like a cent on it, you mean? Like right, and that's how it. that's how I paid all my utility bills because I put I go and get a book of one cent stamp, and every utility bill that I got, yeah. I would put a one cent stamp on. Yeah. Now, the recipient, the light company or whatever, they have the option of sending it back, but they know that that envelope contains your check, mm-hmm. so they would absorb. The thirty-four cents or whatever it was at the time, you know. So well, but the, would they though? I mean, because like I, I, I never, I, think I never received, I never received a return to sender. And they were all, and all your checks cleared. Yeah, well, my checks cleared. No, but I mean, here's why I'm saying that. I, I could see them sending it back and then charging you a late fee. We're <laughs> not. So not only do they, because you got to send them the check. That's eventually. another thing. I, I don't pay late fees. But uh, how do you get out of those? I always get them waived. How? There, there's only, a, there's only. A, what if you've done virtually, it? Virtually, the only people that only give you one or two, you know, waivers are banks. Um, pretty much the only people are, are banks that, that will give you a waiver of um, a surcharge or a late fee. All the other companies, if you get to a person, they'll waive whatever late fee there is. Because there, there's certain legalities to late fees. Um, I'm not exactly sure myself how it works, but pretty much every company, barring Barring banks, which will give you like pretty much the, it's kind of set that they'll they'll waive a late fee twice. Um, uh, you uh, phone company will, la- will waive a late fee a couple of times depending on how good of a customer you are. Right. Any other retailer pretty much wants to keep the customer happy once you get to them, and they will waive a late fee. Hmm. I just don't pay late fees. Hmm. Um, and in college, 
yeah, I never had the check returned to me because they knew in their envelope before you pay online that there was a check in there. Yeah. So they'd much rather have the check and absorb the cost of thirty four cents or whatever just to have the, the account cleared. Um so back in the eighteen nineties there was, you know, cable was all one of those things. I remember in my neighborhood, there was always someone who had a black box or someone who had, you know, cable that was... They somehow got cable without ever having to send a check, be it once by one cent or not, to the cable company. Did you ever have anything like that going on? Well, we had a filter. Um, you could buy a Radio Shack that was just kind of... It was, it was oh, like a scrambler. It was basically a uh, descrambler, and some, I think it was $3, and you put that between the coaxial cable and the cable leading to the wall. Um, besides that... Um, but you actually had to pay for the service, the scrambled service. Well, you have to pay for you have to pay for the cable. Right. You're going to be paying you for the cable. You don't have to pay for cable. You did back in the 1800s. Okay. I, th- I figured you got a system. Do you have a thing around this? My thing these days is with direct TV. Um, yeah, what, yeah, what are you running nowadays? What kind of? Well, I have what, direct what are you TV, and they're very pleased with them being number one in customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I've been a member and customer for quite some time. Um, and I've always had movie channels, but I've never subscribed to any movie channels because every six months or so, I'll call them up and say, "Do you have any promotions on movie channels?" And lo and behold, well, we have a free showtime for the next six months, if you'd like that. Sure, that sounds great. Six months later, when my showtime is gone, I'll call them back. Do you have another promotion? I've never, I've always had a movie channel, a movie channel. No I've never, never subscribed to any of them. I tried that with Time Warner Cable. Actually, people there that I called told me to do that. They said, do that. We always have deals running. It depends. I would call them up, whether it's the retention department or the customer service department or whatever, and they would always say, oh, yeah, we don't have... Well, there's certain companies like Time Warner... Time Warner's cable is the worst. Time Warner... And they make a list every year of the 10 worst customer service. Uh, Bank of America is always virtually number one on that list. Um, There's certain companies that really just don't care. They're too big to kind of fail. And like Bank of America, gym memberships. Once you pay for a year of a gym membership, unless you have a note from a doctor saying that you're quadriplegic and you come in drooling with the stick on your head <laughs> and show them, you'll never get your money back from a gym. Ever, ever, ever. Unless you have you know, you literally have to show them that you bled. Um, out, there, there's, bled out. Yeah, there's certain companies that really just, once they get your money, you'll never get it back. Mm. Ever, ever, ever. Um, gyms are notorious. Um, utility companies, pretty much in door. I mean, because where else are you going to get your power from? You can generate, any, generate it yourself. Right, and there's that. only one game in town. Yeah. Um, so to kind of, you know, when you're calling these people and everything, I mean, I don't know, do you ever, do you ever hide your identity? Like, you, you know, do you ever have, like, um, alternate names? I mean, I assume you have to have pseudonyms at some point. I, I have several. Well, I, I really have never had to. 
never, never had to, yeah. Um. Um, now, you told me an interesting story, which we didn't get to. I'd like to close with this story, because I thought it was adorable. But um, your, when you, your grandmother was into this type of thing. With, uh, so you may have, your mom not so much, but your grandma was well, my, similar in her thinking about getting through life the rest of you know how. Well, it's just taking, no, never taking no for an answer, and, you know, they use, they, they call them, I guess, sit-at-home scams, um, or scams in general. I don't consider it a scam at all when it's really the corporation I mean, that's the whole reason why the CVS is set up, and that's the whole reason why most of the things are set up this way, is that the percentage works towards the corporation, not towards the customer. What does this have to do with your grandma? Um, well, my grandmother would, wouldn't take no for an answer. I mean, she, she wouldn't pay late fees. Um, she, you know, she... Uh, basically sold candles at a flea market and would tell people that, you know, back in the day when they had the numbers racket that the, um, printed on the bottom of the candles, there were numbers printed. And she used to say, well, these are lucky numbers. And people are very, you know, uh, uh, kind of superstitious. Um, people, people always feel like... Um, that other people have like ESP kind of thing. Recently, I was in Vegas, and the girl I was with got stopped by this heavyset woman sitting at a slot machine. Get and out of here! Heavyset no, woman sitting by a slot machine. Heavyset woman sitting by a slot machine stopped okay. stopped the girl I was with. It's like, you know, you have an aura around you. You have an incredible aura, and you know, I can tell that you're a very giving person. <laughs> and, and purple, I see purple, purple, and you've got a harmony about your soul. And she gave her three numbers, and she goes, play these numbers. And if they hit for you, come back and tip me. Did they hit? She didn't play the numbers, but... What? Why could you not play the numbers? Why not? Oh, you think she's working for the casino? No, she was just... You know, every so random number of people, you're going to get somebody who is superstitious enough that they will play those numbers. And whether it was the woman having ESP or just your luck, you're going to go back and tip the woman. That's true. As as P.T. Barnum said, there's a sucker born every minute. That's true. Um, all right, Rhett, do you have any final advice for anyone out there trying to... Never take no for an answer and... You'll unless it's a, I assume unless it's a female, that's well, illegal. So you should take no from them. You should take no as an answer from them. Well, it's like the old joke, like you know, go. the girl goes, "Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop." Don't stop. <laughs> so it's it's just a question of one revolves into the other. Yeah, I mean, you just keep at it. Right. And never take no for an answer, and there's always someone that you can... Some Everybody's got a boss, and when you get up to the level where it's not worth the boss's time to hear you complain, your problem will go away. Well, that's true. I wish I had I could give out your contact information from people to talk to you with their advice, but uh, we're, we're, we are broadcasting from an undisclosed location, and you've obscured your identity 
um, appropriately. So, Rhett, thank you so much, and that's it for Fascinating Nouns. Good night.